Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Intuitive Transformations with your host, Sylvia Henderson, and discover tools, wisdom, and inspiration that will empower you to transform your life. Sylvia is an intuitive life coach and energy healer with a growing practice that is focused on empowering others to be more of who they want to be. For the next hour, join Sylvia and explore and unravel anything in the way of you creating the life that you would love to live on the Ohm Times Radio Network. Well, hello and welcome to another Intuitive Transformations radio show where you will find tools you can use to change and transform your life every Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Ohm Times radio network, the voice of consciousness at ohmtimes.com. And for those of you listening to this show as a podcast, Thank you so much for listening, and please share the link that you are using to listen to this show with your social media contacts. Someone in your social circle needs to hear this show. You never know whose life you might positively impact, as it may contain answers that someone has been searching for right here in today's show. So please share. If you are a new listener, welcome and thank you so much for listening to the show. I hope that you will remain a faithful follower. My name is Sylvia Henderson and I am an intuitive life coach and an energy healer. My work focuses on releasing limiting beliefs that have stopped you from enjoying all that life has to offer. You know, those beliefs that keep you stuck in painful relationships and rob you of your inner peace and tell you that you're not good enough to really enjoy a love that you love a life that you enjoy living so if you would like to learn more about me and the work that i do please visit my website at intuitivetransformations.net that's intuitivetransformations.net and while you're there uh, be sure to sign up for my newsletter receive a free guided meditation that will help you and releasing fear, worry, and anxiety during times of uncertainty. So today, my guest is a pastor, a writer, and an activist from Wake Forest, North Carolina. In the past four years, his blog, Stuff That Needs To Be Said, has reached a diverse worldwide audience. His name is John Pavlovitz, and he is a 20-year veteran in the trenches of local church ministry. John is committed to equality, diversity, and justice, both inside and outside of faith-based communities. In his book, A Bigger Table, Building Messy, Authentic, and Hopeful Spiritual Community, John Pavlovitz his courage and kindness is evident as he fearlessly speaks directly into the heart of heated issues that Christian communities have publicly and privately wrestled with for decades, 
regarding LGBTQ inclusion, gender equality, racial tensions, and global concerns. John's is a voice that is unique, a voice crying out to the Christian community to put an end to exclusion, bigotry, divisiveness, and fear. A voice that longs to see churches emulate unconditional love and demonstrate wholehearted acceptance of everyone with compassion and radical hospitality, total authenticity, messy diversity, and create agenda-free spiritual communities that leaves no one left out. And he is here with us today. Welcome John Pavlovitz to the show. Thank you so much, Sylvia. It is so uh, wonderful to be with you today. It's uh, thrilled to get the invitation, so thank you. You're so very welcome. I know you're incredibly busy, so it really is um, I, too, that am very thankful uh, that you're taking the time to join us here today, John. So for those who are not familiar with you and aren't sure, you know, they've never heard of you yet and um, not sure what your mission is, can you tell us about yourself and your spiritual journey? Sure. I, you know, I was, I grew up in upstate New York. I was raised Catholic and so a Roman Catholic Italian family. So I tell people I was raised on gluten and guilt and I grew up in upstate New York and Slowly, as I got a little older, approached college years, I kind of drifted from that faith. I wasn't really connecting it to kind of um, everyday life and wasn't seeing it, you know, the church being what I thought the church was supposed to be. And um, really through the process of um, moving to Philadelphia and being exposed to a great deal of diversity, being exposed to poverty, um, my heart began to change and I started to um, really embrace sort of that bigger table idea of living. And 10 years later, I was sort of pulled back into organized religion, started volunteering for a church and found myself after that becoming a pastor, which was a completely unexpected path for me. Um, but it, I was sort of drafted into ministry and um, so began, you know, started down the road about 20 years ago of serving in the local church. But in doing that, started to see along with so many beautiful and life-giving things i began to see things that grieved me about the church and about organized religion and so there was that tension that i've lived in for that time of of being a part of this thing but then lamenting so much of it and the writing has really um been a been an expression of that trying to figure out how to wrestle with the with that sort of um that tension and so, you know, you, you said that there were some things that really grieved you about what you were seeing in um, the local churches. And so what were you seeing that was really um, that was impacting you to such a degree that it prompted you to begin writing your blog stuff that needs to be said? Well, I think what what I started to see over the course of a few years was that I, I could look back and realize that the church had actually shrunken my table. So I was only around, you know, Christians, and I was only around Christians in my church, and specifically, and those in my church who agreed with me. And so I think what the church tends to do is sort of sequester people, and it becomes a very parochial sort of experience. But I also had sort of a, a wrestling with the, theolog the theology of the church that was 
anti-gay or anti-transgender or and looking at why women were welcomed fully into ministry leadership and, and the hostility in much of the Christian church toward the Muslim faith. So all of those things, I began to kind of try to figure out, is there a better way to, to, to be a Christian in the world? And can you still have the tradition and live in a wider, more expansive way? And so, you know, the blog actually started as an insider sort of writing to my community. We had a really large church in Charlotte, and I was writing to parents of teenagers as a youth pastor and maybe to other ministers, but it really slowly began to reach a wider audience. So it it was almost, um, it wasn't a process of realizing that I wanted to write this blog to reach a large community. It just, it slowly um, organically happened. How many followers do you have right now? Um, you know, I guess I, I probably have, you know, a, um, you know, Facebook followers and around 200,000 people and maybe 100,000 on Twitter. And, and, you know, I've got about, you know, 40,000 subscribers monthly to the blog. And I've just been really fortunate to, to be able to have, you know, being reaching a, a really large and really diverse audience. And it's been a joy. The past four years have been really, a really more concerted effort to make that my life's work and the ministry evolving more and more around a virtual capacity. Um, but I've just been really, really um, fortunate to have some of the pieces resonate with a larger part of the population. That's awesome. So, you know, since this has been kind of your body of work, you know, why has traditional Christianity struggled so much with modeling and extending unconditional love and acceptance? Because on one hand, what has been traditionally taught from the pulpit is that God is an unconditionally loving God, right? Yet on the other Mm -hmm. hand, what's also being taught from the very same pulpits is that God's uh, love is discriminating and that you have to be, look, or behave a certain way in order to receive that unconditional love. Why is it so challenging for churches also to see the contradiction of that message? I think once you're in an environment for a certain amount of time, you you sort of lose perspective on that. You can't really see it any longer. And so many people you know, grew up in, in a really exclusionary religion, a, a real fear-based theology, or an image of God as very judgmental and angry. And so those things are hard to unlearn and hard to step away from. And, you know, a lot of the work that I do is, you know, holding up a mirror to people and, and saying, does this look like whatever God you're trying to aspire to? Um, you know, for me, I'm also conscious of the fact that if I'm talking to a group of people who claim the Christian faith, they all have a very different Jesus in their heads. They have a very personalized, individualized Jesus. So one person, you know, can see the Bible and look at Jesus and and say that, you know, Jesus tells his disciples to bring a sword when he's coming back to when they're coming back to be with him in the garden before he's betrayed. And so someone can read that and say, see, this is how I can have weapons of violence and then someone could read the same story of a few paragraphs later when jesus reprimands his disciples for using the weapon and tells them that we're not going to live by the sword so that same person another person can read that same scripture and say that god would have you know no violent tendencies 
so it's really that that sort of using the Bible as a weapon or or to reinforce your idea of God. And I think that's where the church really struggles because it's not really willing to embrace the breadth of what people's Christian faith might look like. And so it sticks into a very rigid orthodoxy often. Yeah. So um, you talk about some of the battle lines um, that the modern church has drawn in the sand um, that create the, you know, that sustains the divisiveness. You know, what are some of the all or nothing, um, uh, you know, issues or lines in the sand that the church has drawn that has locked other people out? Because truly, by diminishing God's capacity to love, they're also diminishing God in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think traditionally the church historically has had a difficulty with sex and sexuality. So whether that is gender identity or sexual orientation or just, um, you know, physical uh, sexual activity and sexual relationships and showing affection, I think so many of those become dividing lines. They become sort of um, places that we um barricade ourselves and by a theology and so i think there's just so much damage that's been done in the name of god in those areas um and i think it really again it comes down to the way that you want to wield the bible because you can use those words to say a lot of things and i think a lot of it is um trying to find the heart of the people who wrote those words uh, who documented their experience of God at that place in time and understanding what they did and didn't understand about the human body and about biology and, and the, you know, and the world. So uh, I think, I think there's just sex has been uh, something we traditionally have a really hard time with in the church. You know, and it's interesting though, because as I hear you speak about this, it's also one of those taboo conversations in the church it seems as well yeah i think the 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 less you're able to really openly talk about something the more shame that's associated with it or you know the more guilt that you have around that issue the more dangerous it becomes because it becomes fraught with uh there's there's just a a scariness that the church has developed around sex and sexuality and and gender issues and you know gender roles for that matter and i think what the what the progressive church may be trying to do or something that you know I'm hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. I'm hoping to do with the work that I do is just um, de-weird 
things that shouldn't be weird, uh, just to really talk openly about really the most natural and beautiful parts of who we are and that really express our humanity in the deepest way. And I think that's um, something that the church has really struggled with doing, with really attaching the, the humanity and, and the beauty to all those things. Yeah, I agree. So um, what are some of the other things that are big hotbed issues that churches are kind of, that traditional churches have pushed um, aside and not really accepted fully? Well, you know, when I, when I talk about in the book is growing up with so many false stories. And I think there, the religion, especially, the, you know, the Christian Orthodox religion tends to create these false stories about people of other faiths. Uh, and particularly right now, I think, you know, the Muslim faith, for example, there's a, there's a vilifying of, of other beliefs and even of non-believers. There's a sense of, um, we need to protect ourselves. We need to stay in this sort of bubble. And, and, and that's a real dangerous place to live when everything around you becomes a potential threat or becomes, um, or somehow less, um, valid, right? And so I think right now you see people in our country, especially here in America, who are politicians who are leveraging that fear of the outsider, uh, of the other. And I think right now, you know, that, that Christianity has a real difficult time with embracing the validity of other faiths, and um, which is another, you know, deep passion of mine to understand that Christianity has been my road. It's been the way I've experienced many of these things, but there, you know, there are people who, who have a very different path and their spirituality is just as complex and vibrant and valid as my own. And so Christians in general, but particularly maybe the more evangelical church here in America has trouble assigning value to other faiths. Well, that's, that's a very good point. Um, and I think what we're going to do is going into a break. And when we return, we're going to talk more about your new book, A Bigger Table, Building Messy, Authentic, and Hopeful Spiritual Community. We'll be back in just a moment, everyone. Please stay tuned for more of Intuitive Transformations Radio on GnomeTimes.com. of internet radio is here om times radio iom fm ascending hearts is no ordinary dating site but a spiritual dating site with a purpose to link you with your soulmate we engineer the serendipity so you can trust that you will attune with someone that has the same matching vibration as you ascending hearts the conscious dating site for the spiritually aware try ascending hearts for free AscendingHearts.com Hello, I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, host of OmTimes Magazine's flagship radio show, What is Going On? My passion is sifting through information, research, and innovations from new thought teachers, speakers, and researchers, pushing back the boundaries of what we know about life, energy, metaphysics, and the universe. I love shifting perceptions about who we are, why we're here, and how quickly impossible becomes normal when we open our minds, expand our awareness, and accept that the only limits that exist are those we place upon ourselves. So if you're the kind of forward-thinking, eager investigator of what lies beyond the current reality that most perceive, 
Why not make a date to come play with me in the field of possibilities at 4pm Pacific Time, 7pm Eastern Time every Thursday and together we can discover what's really going on. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes, I did the same things over and over, until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Intuitive Transformations radio show on OMTimes.com. This is Sylvia Henderson, and I have with me today as my guest, Pastor John Pavlovitz, and he is the author of A Bigger Table, Building Messy, Authentic, and Hopeful Spiritual Community, as well as his very popular blog, Stuff That Needs to Be Said. Um, so, John, before we went to the break, you spoke, you shared a, a couple of areas where the church really struggles, and it has to do with sex and sexuality, as where, as well as differing religious beliefs. So let's talk a little bit about your book, um, A Bigger Table. Um, what is a bigger table, and what does it look like, and why is it so important? Well, for me, a bigger table is. Um trying to find a way to have spiritual community that would require no one to go elsewhere. So what can we set a, a table? Can we create relationships? Can we create an environment where we can bring our story to bear and, and come with exactly who we are and have there be enough room for that where we are? There no, so there be, to no, be no deal breakers within people. Um, and so, you know, it's been a response to sort of the churches that I was seeing, the churches that I was a part of, seeing their limitations and, and trying to ask the question, can we have something that is a more diverse uh, representation of humanity? And I think it's so important right now because I think we need to learn to talk about the deepest issues of our hearts and how we perceive God or how we perceive the world and what we you know, what we, we believe our purpose is, those things are so important. And I think we need a place to just explore that and to live it out. And um, so that's what the bigger table, that's the dream. That's where it began for me. Mm. You also write about what you call the four non-negotiable legs of a bigger table. What are those? Can you tell us um, a little bit about that and why those, why that's so important that those four non-negotiable legs actually be there to support that bigger table? Well, the journey for me, I, I, you know, I was living as a pastor for many years and living with that tension that I talked about. And ultimately, you know, I talk about reaching that place where, you know, I said I heard God's voice telling me to leave the church where I was serving, and it came in the form of my pastor's voice saying, you're fired. And it was really as I began to sort of live uh, a more expansive faith as a pastor, uh, that became um, the logical conclusion, because I think it's really difficult to have an expansive faith in a local church, because you're, you're sort of um, beholden to that community. 
But after that time, I was after I was fired, I went back to sort of Jesus table ministry in my tradition, which was Jesus sharing a meal with someone and breaking bread with them as a way to let them know they were seen and heard and loved and respected. And I also went back to my own sort of family tradition around the table, that sense of belonging. So the bigger table for me is built not around theology or doctrine because those are so divisive, but just about how we're going to be together, how we might treat one another. And so those four sort of non-negotiables were a radical hospitality, which is the Italian mother's welcome. So you're showered with food and affection until you can take no more. And the second is total authenticity, which is just saying that we can be the fullest um, version of ourselves that there is. We can believe what we believe. We cannot believe what we don't believe, and, and that's going to be okay. And um, true diversity in that community is the third, which is meaning we, we want a representation of the entire uh, breadth of humanity. We don't, it's not just a censored diversity or a selective diversity. And the fourth is agenda-free relationships, meaning that we gather with people not to try and fix or change or save or renovate them, but just that we receive them as they are and, and learn from their story and listen to that story. And um, so that's kind of radical hospitality, total authenticity, true diversity, and agenda-free relationships is really the heart of what the, the book is. And so how can people on an individual level um, incorporate um, these wonderful, you know, attributes? I mean, that seems like that is, um, is something that we need more on a global level, not just within a house of worship. Um, right. In terms of how we treat each other and greet each other, um, you know, what what can we do? Because right now in the United States, it's probably the most um, uh, not that it hasn't always been divisive, but it's the most blaringly um, uh, and, pers and <laughs> you know, divisive time that I think that we've lived in um, in this country in a long time since the Civil War, probably. Um, mm. You know, so what can we reach for on an individual level to start to incorporate this so that we can spill into this radical hospitality, total authenticity, really accepting each other's diversity um, and this um, agenda free relationship? Right. Well, you know, I talk to people, you know, in the book, I tell the story of uh, how I sort of arrived at this place over time, and it was through getting better stories, getting truer stories about people groups that I had had a preconception about. And so I'm always telling people, the people of the bigger table have to be story learners. We have to keep asking ourselves the questions, whose stories am I not hearing right now? Uh, who do I think I understand, but maybe I've just assumed that I understand them? And who is not yet welcome at the table where I gather. That could be with my family. It could be in my workplace. It could be in my church. Um, so it's a constant striving to keep learning about people uh, because the more you hear people's true and accurate stories from them, the more difficult it is to otherize them, the more difficult it is to um, withhold compassion from them. Uh, so that is yeah, so needed on a personal level because that personal enlarging of the table that has ripples that that are so needed right now and they're powerful you know when we live that way personally it does affect the community around us 
Absolutely. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that because it really is on an individual basis. It doesn't matter whether you're, you practice this meeting in a spiritual house of worship or if it's just your own personal brand of spirituality, of, of showing and re, uh, compassion to others and tolerance and understanding. So what keeps you so motivated and encouraged to continue to not only practice what you're preaching, but also teaching others? Because you've had a lot of pushback from some of the um, more traditional um, fundamentalist church um, uh, you know, communities. Yeah, the th you know, the thing about that, Sylvia, is you, having been in this world for so long as a local church pastor, I, I know what I thought about people like me when I was where they are, right? And so I have a, a sense of uh, empathy for the fears that they uh, that they feel when they read something that like what I write, or I understand the sort of um, knee-jerk response that's ingrained in them. And so that helps to uh, sustain me when those attacks come and when the turbulence comes from people. Um, but I also try to keep focused on why I do what I do. You know, I've, I've walked this road and I believe in the work that I'm doing. And most importantly, I realize that the stuff that we're talking about is not stuff. After all, we're talking about people. And so the people who have been marginalized or oppressed by the church or kept at a distance they help, you know, reminding myself that people are still being held at arm's length. And until that is no longer true, that this is the work that I'm supposed to be doing. And so, um, you know, I think that helps. And it also helps to be with people in community and to, to you know, I, I get fortunate. I get to travel around the country right now and talk about this with this book tour and seeing people in so many different environments living these things out and practicing these things. And so that's an encouragement that helps sustain me as well. Mm. And so has your mission changed since the recent, um... Lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky, lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Changes in America's political environment. And if so, how? I think I think it, it you know the way that it's changed it you know I wrote this book a lot of this book before we had a presidential campaign before we had an election and before we've had this presidency and I went back right before the book was published and and talked more explicitly because we had this new reality I was a bit more optimistic when I wrote the book before all this happened but I so but today I'm still fully committed to the idea of the bigger table and I know we need it 
now more than ever, I just see that there are more barriers to it. And so if anything, the way the mission has changed is knowing that we have to be um, really explicit in why, in, in giving a different voice. And for me as a pastor, as a Christian, to offer a different expression of faith out there because so many people are only seeing one real hateful version. And so you want to be sort of an expectation defying Christian for them. So that's how the mission has changed only in, I think there's a, there's a greater urgency right now than there's ever been to make sure that people feel seen and heard. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I mean, when you think about the the health of um, the country of the United States and what it's going through right now, which is very chaotic and it seems really unstable and and quite mm -hmm. contrary to equality and acceptance of all <laughs> coming to the table, right. even economically, you know, um, or racially, or, or because of their religious point of views or their sexuality, um, you know, it seems like the grander um, uh, scheme of things really where the churches are more of a microcosm. Uh, so, you know, you were just saying that you felt more hopeful before the election. <laughs> so the <laughs> prognosis now in terms of, you know, um, bringing forth your work and, and seeing changes, do you see churches being a little bit more open because of the, the contrast of so much hatred coming from certain factions within the Christian community? Well, what I see, you know, the hope for me, which is, you know, I, I was writing in my context and still trying to stretch the local church, and I still believe that that, that can happen in individual communities. But what I've been seeing, which is the real reason for hope right now, is so many people coming together from really disparate groups of, you know, uh, very different religious traditions and people without a particular religious worldview coming together to say, our shared humanity is what is what unites us and so we're going to work on behalf of that shared humanity and so there's almost this sort of new uh, if you will congregation or a new tribe of people that's forming in response to um, that sort of hateful version of christianity um so that's where the hope is it's seeing so many people saying you know we we realize that we're in this together and we're going to try as much as we can to push through those artificial barriers that we've put there and uh, that religious people tend to put there, unfortunately. So that's where the hope is for me. And, I, you know, I travel and every week I sort of leave much lighter than I arrived in a certain place because I see so many stories of people who are just doing really beautiful life affirming work right now and probably wouldn't have otherwise. They're engaging mm. the political process, right? Or they're doing activism or they're reaching out to people who are in need. And so that's definitely been the sort of um, beautiful response to something really ugly. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that typically out of adversity comes positive change many times. Um, you've worked with people from all over, all different ages, walks of life, come, who come from all different um, places from all over the world. Um, can you share some of the stories um, that you've already just alluded to where you've seen the practice of compassion and understanding actually help others and transform their lives? 
What I, what I think, you know, what I've seen a lot of re- recently is the movement of, of, the, of the youth of the country. You know, we saw it sort of coming out in response to, you know, the Park Lane shooting and the March for Our Lives. But I've been really in, encouraged by seeing people who are in high school and middle school who are saying, you know, uh, we want to be a source of healing and doing sort of anti-bullying things in their school. Uh, that's been such a, a great thing to see happen, this sort of new activism. Um, I think we've had fits and starts of it, you know, for the past few decades. But really not in 40 or 50 years, I think, have we had a generation of people who are really – um, activist minded. And that's what I see happening. Um, and the young people in our church, I think they started in, in Charlotte, especially, they started to sort of change the entire community. So they sort of led the way for the adults. Um, so, you know, those stories are, are so, um, so encouraging to me. Um, I had a, we did an alternative spring break with our students, which was completely student sort of uh, led traveling around sort of the spontaneous mission trip where we just drove um, for a few days trying to find where we could be a help in the world. And that was really exciting to me, seeing students just begin to look for opportunities to um, care for people. You know, it really is encouraging to look at the youth of today, you know, especially, and they became so visible after this Parkland shooting that you've already, um, you know, spoke about that um, their voices are so pure and they are so authentic and they are so um, really what you're hoping that other churches would turn to and become. They're so um, all accepting and inclusive and, and not seeing themselves as separate entities with their own agenda. It really is, they're looking at the whole picture and, and it is really a, a very inspiring thing to see. I agree. Yeah. I th- yeah, and I think what they do is the young younger generation has a much smaller world. They see, you know, they have social media. They are connected to people uh, um, along much farther distance than we were growing up, and so they have a sense of um, the universal experience of living. And so I, th- I think a lot of the things that the church in, has struggled with in our in my case, um, they're not struggling with as much. Issues of sexuality are not these sort of big wrestling points, and issues of diversity are less and less um, sort of these gigantic things to be dealt with. They're just, uh, of course, you know, there's a sense of that. So that's the other beautiful thing. Yeah, it, it really is something to witness. And so, um, yeah, let's just hope that they really do change our world. <laughs> we sure do. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> Well, and I say, you know, right now, some of the things that we're talking about, too, as far as how it feels in America, it's really an illusion, too, because what you see is a group of people who maybe don't represent the majority, but they have the mouthpiece and they have a lot of the power. And so it's really easy to to get that skewed, right, to to really not right-size that threat and to realize that there the world is full of really – beautiful, loving, compassionate people who are committed to justice. And so uh, part of it is fighting the discouragement that comes with sort of that false image of the world. 
Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And it, and it is challenging when it's coming at you from all different angles and every channel that you switch to. Uh, we're going to go into another yeah. break, everyone. Please stay tuned for more of Intuitive Transformations with my very special guest, John Pavlovitz. And we'll be back in just a few moments. The cutting edge of conscious radio, Om Times Radio, IOM FM. Host your show on IOM FM, the radio network of Om Times Media, one of the more recognized brand names in the conscious community, and is backed by the extensive marketing reach of Om Times. Hosting a show on IOM FM immediately connects you with our extensive, dedicated community. Hello, I'm Lisa Berry. Join me every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time for Light on Living. A chance to see new, hear different, and feel more as I shine the spotlight on all the ways to lighten the load of life's challenges. Light on Living is your link to that new way you're looking for, that new understanding that will enhance your life, and that positive connection that will support your growth. So join me and you'll gain insight and start to see things in a new way that motivates you. Hey, let me ask you something. Would you seat your three-year-old child on a windowsill? Would you seat them beside a lit fireplace or by the deep end of a pool? One last question. Would you seat your child in a car seat that's not correct for them? Car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Secure their future. Seat them in the correct car seat. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. So we're back. This is Sylvia Henderson with the Intuitive Transformations radio show on OMTimes.com. And I have with me today as my guest, John Pavlovitz, and he is the author of ah, this wonderful new book, which is all about a bigger table, allowing everyone to be included. And that really is what humanity is all about. We're really just one human race. And if we can just step out of the um, these delusional thoughts that one race is better than another, one way of, of worshiping God is, is better than another, and um, that sexuality is vile and should be vilified. Gosh, how much better would the world be, <laughs> right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> so with the success of your blog and the message of your book and your work as a pastor evolving, um, beyond four walls in a building into a much broader and global audience, you know, how has your life been personally impacted by all of this? Well, you never sort of plan to be a polarizing public figure and you never, you know, really set out. I didn't set out to be a pastor to begin with, let alone one who is very sort of um, visible and it's a really strange sort of existence to put something out into the world that comes from a very personal place. You write those words, and then those words become the line around which people stand to argue with one another. Um, in that regard, it tends to be – it can be a little bit disconcerting, um, but you try to balance that with humor and with humility to realize, okay um, – I, I realize that a lot of this is artificial, that sort of sort of visibility part of it. But mostly, I still feel like the same person. I still feel like I'm trying to 
be a caregiver, be a helper, be an encouragement. And I just, it's a little bit different scale now, but in some ways it's just, I'm so grateful because when I, when I was in the church and I thought the table is not big enough, well, then being able to reach a few million people, you realize you've been given a larger table. And so it's just a blessing. It's a, it's a joy. And so to try to embrace that, um, my life has changed in that I've been given that opportunity, which I'm grateful for. So, John, you're also a songwriter, I understand. Is that correct? You know, yeah. I, I've, I've, music has been an integral part of my life for forever. Uh, I spent some time in college, you know, sort of traveling around and you know, playing with a band and living, uh, play, getting played on the radio and that sort of thing, and then moved into sort of ministering through music. So I was writing music for the church and sort of um, music for the liturgy. And um, so it's still something that I love to do now, much more as a, a release, as a hobby, as a place to just uh, recalibrate. So um, music's always going to be central, I think, in my life. Well, I think that's beautiful. <laughs> it's another wonderful way yeah, to the, spread your message. Well, I think it's, you know, the creative act, it's been one of the ways that I, I think that you re connecting to those muses, whether it's art or music or cooking or nature, you know, staying connected to those, those elemental um, muses in our lives, they really help us retain our humanity. They really help center us in times when there's a lot of noise out there and there's a lot of um, agitation. And so I think we all need to keep doing those things that are life giving to us. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You have to really support yourself <laughs> with what works for you. Yes. Absolutely. And feed your soul. Um, so I had a question and it just kind of popped out of my head. So um, <laughs> why well, this would be a great time for you to share with those who are listening how they can find you, read your blog. Um, obviously, your book is going to be available on Amazon and all the other different um, publishing distributing sites for books, but um, how can people um, sign up for your blog and uh, just stay in touch with you and what's going on in now uh, your work? Right. Everything is connected to my name. So John Pavlovitz.com and the last name is P-A-V-L-O-V-I-T-Z. And so John Pavlovitz.com is the blog, or you can just search stuff that needs to be said. Um, Twitter at John Pavlovitz. Same thing with Facebook. Um, just use my name. It's um, it's an uncommon name, so you'll probably find me. And uh, and then you know Amazon for the book. And then you know I'm writing another book that will be out in November. So I'm really um, there's a lot of places to reach me. Awesome. Let's talk a little bit about that new book. Can we uh, talk about hope and superpowers? I love the title <laughs> because that's really what we need right now. <laughs> Yeah, hope and other superpowers was basically a response to all the things that we've been talking about. So seeing what's happened over the last two years in America and sensing that sort of discouragement and deflation and frustration that people are feeling, you know, someone said to me, you know, what would you want to say to the world right now? And, and I said, you know, I'd probably want to ask them, what kind of person does the world need? And then realize that all our responses, regardless of our politics or our theology or our nation of origin, are going to be very similar. And so hope and other superpowers is really looking at all those really elemental things about the world, about living, about generosity and compassion and courage and humor, 
and then realizing that those are things that we have to tangibly impact the world. So we have those ordinary superpowers that we have access to. So it's really a, a really uh, exciting, I'm telling my story, but I'm telling the stories of people all throughout the world who I've met who are, who decided the world had a gap in compassion and they wanted to fill it or a gap in joy and they wanted to fill it. Uh, so that's what the book's going to be about. And we're going to travel around and have people talk about the ordinary superpower superheroes in their lives. And um, it's going to be a really just an affirmation of, of life. Would it be possible for you to give us a little sneak peek and share one of those stories of hope? Because I think that would be a great way for us to close out the show in, in a very high, more hopeful note <laughs> about what's possible for yeah. the future. Right. Uh, well, you know, I tell the story of uh, my friend Natalie, and Natalie had a uh, wait a daughter who was born with disfiguring disease and a, a, a host of health problems. And she was, you know, frustrated with having to, you know, figure out how to care for her child. And But then as she did that, she realized how many other children were affected and how many other parents were running into these sort of barriers to simple health and wellness. And so it really pushed her into a place of being an, an unlikely and uh, activist and spokesperson uh, on behalf of vulnerable children. And so she's been doing this work in North Carolina where now she's out in the world and they're changing legislation and they're getting, you know, thousands and thousands of families um, encouragement. And so I think stories like Natalie's are over and over what's happening in the world that may not make the news, that there are people saying, you know what, I see um, the need. And so people like Natalie are doing this work every day and it doesn't take any financial capital. It doesn't take any, uh, you know, social media juggernaut. You just have to have a desire to be a help in the world and a passion to do that. And so um, anyone who's listening right now, that's what life's about. Where's the burden? Where's the gap that you need to fill? And you're here. So this is your chance to do that. Wow. So what, what would you say to those who are listening that are feeling as if, you know, things have just gone so far south? It doesn't, it doesn't look like it's even possible for um, us as a human race to really get along on the planet because there is so much divisiveness, you know, politically, economically, socially, you know, our thoughts about the planet, how to care for it, how not to care for it, that extend beyond just spirituality, you know. And, and mm. so I think that there are a lot of people out there that are starting to um, lose hope, sadly, that things can yeah. really be turned around. You know, is there anything that you can share that might inspire um, anyone who is listening who feels that way today? Well, you know, I went to a memorial service for the, st the students and the teachers who were killed in Parkland uh, here in Raleigh. We, and one of the students stood up before the gathering and he said, you know, we're here for memorial service and we're here to remember people who who died and and to talk about violence that's escalating in our world but he said i came here i'm really happy today he said i'm not happy because of why we gather he said but i'm happy because i woke up looking for hope and he looked out at all of us and he said and there you are and that's mm -hmm. the encouragement the encouragement is the unrest in you is an alarm that your heart is still working that you are still striving to be a person of goodness and love and compassion 
So hope is not lost. And so to, you know, keep being reminded of the goodness out there, you know, to take a hope inventory of what you see that's good and to dwell on that. And then to look in the mirror and realize that you still have this pull toward um, better things. And so that's where the encouragement has to be. That's where the hope is. It's in the mirror. I mean, that, some days that's what it's about. Mm. Well, that's beautiful because it's a different way of looking in the mirror then, isn't it? Instead of looking at um, the problems as insurmountable and recognizing mm-hmm. that, you know, within each one of us, we do all have that seed of compassion. It's part of our, you know, who we, how we were designed, <laughs> you know, to, to right. emulate the, when, the unconditional love of God. <laughs> yeah, when we're at our best, that's what we're doing. And I tell people, you know, in the book, you don't have to save the world. You have to just save the small portion of it that you happen to be standing on in a given moment. And we're all capable of that. Those, those, you know, Mother Teresa said those small acts of great love. Um, and so no one can take that from us and no politicians and no religious leaders. We have access to that. And so it's about living into that. Mm, that's beautiful. So do you also, I'm just curious, are there, are there communities that are outside of the church setting that, um, that follow your, um, your blog and that people can connect with? Because there's some people that they're not ready to step into a church or um, sure. for whatever reason, that's, that's really not what they, they desire to do, but they do really believe in your message. Um, right. Well, I tend to, you know, it's difficult to sort of categorize what those communities are. I mean, there are groups, you know, there are civic groups like Indivisible that are throughout the country that are trying to do some of this, but it's more still politically minded. Uh, So, you know, for me, it's having people connect around the social media around the blog and then connecting with other people individually and then just creating those communities. So you're right. It doesn't have to be a religious community. It doesn't even have to be in a building. You know, I've got friends who are meeting all throughout the country, just in homes and in coffee shops and just doing this work. So I'd say just to get a group of people who are like-hearted and to just begin creating that community. And it doesn't have to have anything to do with religion or doctrine or theology, um, but try to be at the people at the bigger table right where you are. Yeah, that's beautiful. So this is a book that someone can read and they can adopt a lot of what you offer there um, and um, into their own personal communities and create discussion groups. And, and really it is, you know, everything that happens in the world is really done on an individual basis first. You know, if yes. you know, and I think that that's one of the things that's really come to light, um, you know, especially in light of all the changes that we're seeing here in the United States, that people are starting to see that we can't just rest on our laurels anymore and wait for those, quote unquote, who are in power to take care of us the way we want to be taken care of. And that that doesn't mean we need to revolt necessarily, but it does mean we need to start taking some responsibility for ourselves and creating our own change. That's right. Yes. We're, I mean, we, we have far more, power and influence than we ever realize and it's until we're called on to actually to use that uh that sort of human capital you know that emotional capital that we have um we we forget it we downplay our impact and so yeah these are days when um whatever it is that you feel is needed it's about us responding um tangibly 
to those needs. Yeah, really following that guidance and executing instead of going, oh, that's such a great idea. You know, if that idea has come to you, it's come to you for a reason. And it may not be that you have to do it all alone. You might be surprised how many people, when you share your idea with others, would like to join hands with you and support you That's in, right. in helping to make the world a better place. You know, and it really is about. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's very exciting. Well, I tell people, I tell people that the growth of my blog's readership is really not anything to do with my writing, but that it's a group of people, it's a wide group of people saying, this is my heart. These questions are things that I'm wrestling with. These are frustrations I have. These are aspirations I have. And so we're all kind of meeting around this hub. And so that's the encouragement for me that there are so many people who are feeling that those same poles. And um, so we want to lean into those things and, and just begin to work alongside and create communities that are defined by those things and not um, necessarily religion. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do really appreciate your open heart. This is just such a beautiful conversation that we've had. And I hope that those of you who are listening really hear this message. This is this is coming from a place of really expanding into um, something better than what we've been experiencing now. There's no reason for us to have all of these um, fearful thoughts about someone being different than who we are. You know, we're all yeah. one human race. <laughs> you know, we're, we all believe right. the same. <laughs> you know, we all had a mother and a father. We, you know, and we're all someone's child. And there is no reason why we can't learn to just get along and to work together and to create a world that is enjoyable. Um, and, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited about this. Well, I thank you. And, you know, I tell people just, we're all trying really hard here. And so, you know, show compassion for people and, and go easy on them. Uh, it's just, we, we get such a limited time here and we should, um, take advantage of it and, and cherish it really. Yeah, also, and also just have compassion for yourselves. You know, if you're listening and you're feeling like, oh, I used to judge people and I wish I hadn't, or, you know, it's about having self-compassion and self-forgiveness as well. Because when you can yeah. do that, then you can actually um, extend compassion from an authentic place, you know, because That's none right. of us are perfect. <laughs> we all make mistakes. It's, we all miss Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, and we're going to hopefully look, but, you know, we're going to, it's good to be able to argue with your former self a little bit and say, yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't quite get it right yesterday, but I'm doing better today and you're going to do better tomorrow. And that's, you just keep going. So have a little mercy on yourself. You're right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and if you flounder and fail, it's okay. You get to do it again. That's you it. Get to, you know, we're, we're a lot of, a lot of do-overs here. <laughs> John Pavlovitz, thank you so much for joining us today. You've been an absolute delight. Oh, thank you. Everyone listening, thank you for joining us. We'll be back again next week, same time, same station. And until then, know that you are loved, lovable, and designed to be loving and compassionate. Take care and enjoy the rest of your week. Bye-bye for now.